Good morning, Plum Creek. Great to see all of you here today. You know, every time I watch that video, I get more excited that the Life Center will be opening soon. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do as we move into this new facility. And I want to say thank you to everyone on staff who has helped this project come together. Uh, Byron and Amy and Troy have all played a significant role. And then Jared Perkins has been the point person on staff leading the charge, and I am so grateful for that. I also want to thank all of you who have volunteered and served and worked to help get us to the finish line. I am really looking forward to next Sunday. It's going to be a great day, and I hope that each one of you will reach out and invite someone to join us for the service and then the open house after. I also want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are with us today, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online. Uh, I just want you to know we love you, we appreciate you, and we are so thankful for all the ways that you bless our lives and our families. And if you are here in person, uh, we have a gift that we want to give you today. It's a little bag with some good stuff inside, uh, including chocolate truffles. Uh, I, I really wanted to try a couple of those, but I resisted. And you can pick that up on your way out today at either exit after the service. And if you are online, uh, you can reach out to us. We'd be glad to get you one of these gift bags. Uh, you can go to plumcreek.org connect or email us at info at plumcreek.org. Well, I want to jump back into our sermon series this morning. Uh, this series is called Don't Give Up, and it's about relationships. Uh, we've talked about marriage. We've talked about parenting. And today, we're looking at relationships within the church. Uh, I want to start with the theme verse for this series, which is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. That verse says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, Galatians is a 2,000-year-old letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians in a region called Galatia. But this old letter is still very relevant for us today. We talked about the honesty of this verse, right? <laughs> we do grow weary of doing good. We get tired of doing the right thing over and over again, especially when it comes to relationships. Because the relationships in our lives, they can be a huge blessing, but people can also be exhausting, can't they? However, at the end of the day, we still need each other. God did not create you to be some kind of lone wolf. And Jesus did not establish the church to be made up of a bunch of separate individuals who just hold each other at arm's length. The church is one body. It's the body of Christ. The church is also a community. It's a community where if we're doing this right, we will love each other and we will help each other live in a way that honors God. Now, we need to go back to Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to back up just a few verses because today we're going to focus on Galatians 6 verse 2. And in that verse, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So here's another dose of honesty. Each one of us walks through life with a whole collection of burdens. And there are many times when those burdens are too heavy to carry all by yourself. 
Now, I want you to know that we're, we're going to be specific about some of these burdens today. I'm going to talk about some difficult things, but we need to do this because what we do on Sunday morning has to connect to the rest of life. When you have a genuine relationship with Jesus, that's going to affect every area of your life, all day, every day. So how can we apply this verse to our lives? Well, there are a couple assumptions here, right? One assumption is that every follower of Jesus is a part of a local church body, a member of that family. Another assumption is that you will have deep relationships with at least some people in that family. You know them, and they know you. You've got their back when they need help, and they've got your back when you need help. And then what happens when we build these kind of relationships in the church? Well, we see it in this verse, right? When we carry each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. And that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Normally, when we hear the word law, we think of a list of rules. We think of a bunch of do's and don'ts. But this is a different kind of law. It's about love. The law of Christ is loving God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. It's about loving your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments, love God and love others. So it makes sense, doesn't it? When you help carry the burden of a brother or sister in Christ, you are showing love to your neighbor in a tangible way. And then you're also expressing your love for God because you're doing what he's called you to do. So in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. But the truth is, it's not always easy to build these kind of relationships in the church. And over the past year, it's been especially difficult. But that's why we need a sermon like this. We all need to hear this message. Don't give up on each other. You know, ever since COVID entered our lives, we've had all kinds of reasons and excuses to give up on church. This pandemic, uh, it brought distance between us like never before, but it was more than just distance, right? 2020 also brought disagreements and disunity, maybe like never before. And for these reasons, it's been easy to step back, but that distance comes at a cost if you back away from church, you're going to miss this. Or, or if you only connect with the church once or twice a month, you're going to miss this. If you want this kind of support, you need to be connected and engaged. Now, we know that there are people who still need to be online right now. We completely understand that. And we're going to keep putting our worship service online. Uh, that's not going to change but even if you are online, it's still important to reach out and find community in the church. There are ways to do that. And here's the reality. Whether you are in person or not, the worship service alone is not enough. We don't form deep relationships while we sit here in rows or while we watch a screen. This is not the best environment for carrying each other's burdens. So we need to step out of the large group and make sure we connect in smaller groups. And that's why Plum Creek has always had something like huddles and life groups. Unfortunately, though, even when you join a small group, that's no guarantee that you will have deep relationships. Because at some point, we have to get real with each other. We have to be open and honest about whatever we're struggling with. And for a lot of us, 
that's not very comfortable. We'd, we'd like to avoid that kind of vulnerability. Uh, maybe because we have too much pride or we have too much fear. So we try to get by without ever asking for help. And that reminds me of an illustration from a preacher named Kyle Eidelman. And this is why I have this box on stage with me. Kyle said, you could think of this box as some kind of weight or a burden that you carry around. And inside the box, you'd find some kind of hurt or pain or anxiety or struggle. Maybe uh, you picked up this burden when you were a kid after your parents got divorced. Or, or maybe your burden came from a difficult breakup or a, a tragedy that left you angry with God. Or maybe your box is full of guilt over something you've done or shame over some secret struggle. Now, there are lots of possible burdens that we might find inside, and I realize some of you don't like coming to church because you know we're going to deal with whatever's in this box, and you don't want to go there. You'd rather carry it by yourself. For just a moment, though, I want to point out a sticker that's right here on the outside. We've seen stickers like this, right? You know what that means. Team lift for your safety. According to that sticker, if you try to pick up that box, carry it on your own, you're going to hurt yourself. And I know how some of you think about this. Some of you look at this picture, and you don't see it as a warning. You see it as a challenge. I don't need that guy on the other side. I can pick up this box. I've got this. And if I'm being completely honest, I have to fight that tendency too. More than a few times, I've tried to lift the box when I should have asked for help. And there are several possible reasons why we might try to go it alone. It's not always about thinking that you're Superman or Supergirl. Uh, sometimes you just don't know where to turn. You don't know where you can find someone to help you carry the box. Or in some cases, maybe you shared this burden with somebody, and when you really needed them, they dropped the box. Maybe it was a spouse who betrayed you or abandoned you, and now you've put up a wall because you want to prevent that from ever happening again. However, None of these reasons change the fact that we still need each other. Way back in the book of Genesis, back in the Garden of Eden, God looked at Adam and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And that still applies today. God looks at your attempts to be self-reliant or completely independent and he says, that's not good. You need help carrying the box. So for the rest of our time together, I want to look at some practical ways that we can grow in this area. Let's learn how to do a better job of carrying each other's burdens. I have three different categories where God can help us develop the kind of relationships that He intends for us to have. And here's the first category. In the normal challenges of life, encourage each other. And here, we're not talking about anything big or dramatic we're, we're talking about the fact that every day has its own stress and its own troubles. For example, maybe you're struggling with balance right now. Uh, maybe your life is overfilled with work or appointments or activities, and you're not slowing down enough to spend time on significant relationships. 
You don't have enough margin to really invest in your family or get to know your neighbors or even pursue your relationship with God. A lot of us struggle with balance. This is a common challenge. And that's why it's so important, so helpful to have someone on the outside encouraging you. We all need somebody who's going to ask the tough questions. Say things like, hey, life is short. Are you thinking about this? Are you spending time on the things that matter most? There's a great description of this kind of relationship in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. That passage says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, did you notice the title of our series in there? Don't give up. Don't give up meeting together. Now, sometimes... You might, hear, you might hear a preacher use these verses to motivate you to come to church on Sunday morning. And, and that's not necessarily a bad application. But I also think there's something deeper going on here. What is the best way to spur each other on to love and good deeds? Does that happen in a sermon? Well, it can. Uh, but what's going to be more effective? It's a lot more effective when someone really knows you. They, they know what's going on in your life. They know where, where things are going well. They know uh, your strengths, but they also know your weaknesses. They know where you're dropping the ball. They know where you're making bad decisions. And that's why meeting together, it's not just about the big worship service. It's about smaller group relationships, one-on-one conversations. And this is where we can really encourage each other through the normal challenges of life. But there's another type of burden that we need to talk about. And this is where it starts to get tough. Category number two. In struggles with temptation and sin, restore each other. And do you know where we get this idea? From Galatians chapter 6. It's the same chapter with the verse that tells us to carry each other's burdens. In fact, the context of that verse is actually about temptation and sin. Let's go back and read that, but this time we'll start with Galatians 6, verse 1. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, every church is full of imperfect people. All of us struggle with some kind of sin. But in our relationships with each other, God wants us to show the same kind of grace that he has showed us. Grace is a gift that we don't deserve. It's, it's that gift of forgiveness, and it's only possible because Jesus went to the cross and he paid the penalty of death that you and I deserve to pay because of our sin. And when you've given your life to Jesus, you can be confident that you are 100% forgiven even though you will continue to sin as long as you are in this world. We're not going to take on the perfect character of Jesus until we get to heaven. And God knows that we're not perfect. And still, he offers this grace. 
1 John 1, 9 is a great verse. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just and he will forgive our sins and, and purify us and make us clean once again. However, we need to be very, very clear about something. God's grace is amazing and it's powerful and he gives it freely. But that does not mean that sin is no big deal. If you are willfully continuing to be disobedient to God, if you're just blowing off his commands over and over, you should consider whether or not you've truly surrendered your life to Jesus. Because grace is real, but, but the truth is sin is always destructive. It's always very damaging. So here's another thing we should see among relationships in the church, among followers of Jesus. We need to be compassionate in the way that we deal with sin, but we do need to confront it. And the goal is restoration, right? It's not about condemnation. It's not about thinking that you're better than the other person. In fact, we can never forget that we all struggle with temptation. And if you're the person sitting over here, you may have a different kind of struggle than the person over on the other side of the room, but you still have some area of weakness. And occasionally, you give in to that temptation. So let's not pretend that we're better than we really are. Let's remember that we're all desperate for God's grace. And when we have that attitude of humility, it sets us up to have the uncomfortable conversations that really need to happen. We're, we're ready to restore someone with gentleness and compassion. So yes, there is definitely a wrong way to confront someone who's caught in sin, but like I said, we still need to deal with it. So much damage has been done to the reputation of the church because of sin that was not addressed. The name of Jesus has been dragged through the mud, and that is so tragic. I want to share a quote with you that I've heard several times over the years. It says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Now, that statement is very, very true. Some of us know that through experience. And I don't know who originally said this, but I know this quote is associated uh, commonly with a man named Ravi Zacharias. He said this a lot. Some of you are familiar with that name. Ravi Zacharias was a well-known author and speaker and Christian apologist. And a Christian apologist is someone who defends Christianity. Uh, they may use logic or reason or other kinds of evidence. And for decades, Ravi led a ministry that helped thousands of doubters and skeptics come to a solid faith in Jesus. Uh, many, many people were blessed by this ministry, including myself. I mean, this guy is brilliant. He, he, he seemed like he had such a genuine faith. And that's part of what makes this story so tragic. Last May, uh, Ravi Zacharias died of a rare form of cancer. But uh, over the last several years, both before and after his death, several women came forward and they accused Ravi of sexual misconduct. 
there was an official investigation into his private life. And the findings of that investigation were released just a couple months ago in February of this year. And when I heard what had been uncovered, it felt like a punch in the gut. Because Ravi Zacharias was guilty not only of extramarital affairs, but of sexual abuse. And this wasn't something that happened just once or twice. This was a pattern that persisted for years and years. And as you can imagine, the consequences of his actions are devastating on many different levels. Women were victimized. A strong ministry was cut off at the knees. And thousands of people were left to wonder, wow, is anyone for real? You know, I hesitated to even bring this up because this kind of thing is so, it's disheartening. It's so damaging. But I I believe we need to be open about this for a couple of reasons. First, we should never let the sin and the failures of men turn us away from the perfection of Christ. Jesus will never, ever fail you. Second reason we should talk about this goes back to what I said earlier. We're all susceptible to temptation. And even if you haven't traveled very far down that road, just a single step is the same road. The road of sin always leads to destruction. And that's why this has to be an area where we carry each other's burdens. We need to deal with sin early before it spirals out of control. Now, does that mean we're going to stand up in this room and take turns sharing our deepest, darkest struggles? Of course not. But it does mean that we need to build the kind of relationships where we get real with each other and we restore each other. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. We might not like that part, but that's what it says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So when we talk about getting into a small group of some kind, I hope you'll make it a priority to do that. And I also pray that we'll do the hard work of dealing with sin in a healthy and compassionate way. Now there's one final type of burden that I need to mention, and it's another tough one. Category number three is about crisis and grief. Sooner or later, uh, we all have to go through this. And this particular burden can be especially heavy. Most of you know that our church is grieving today. Earlier this week, Randy and Carenza Smith lost their 24-year-old daughter, Gabriella. And I know that many of us have been hurting along with the Smith family. We've been praying for them. And we've, been mis- we've been wishing that there, there was just more that we could do. And I'll be up front with you. As a minister, I'm like everybody else. I, I wish I knew exactly what to say and exactly what to do. And the truth is, I don't. I know what I can do. I can pray. I can let the family know that we love them. I can pray that God will help them hold on to the hope that comes from knowing Jesus. But even through all of that, there's the reality of the situation. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. And there's an overwhelming sense of grief. 
So how do we carry each other's burdens at a time like this? Well, I think it's important to learn from others who have also experienced a terrible loss. Just over a week ago, I listened to a preacher named Rick Warren talking about what he went through eight years ago. Rick's son, Matthew, took his own life after a 10-year battle with mental illness. And I want to close by sharing some of Rick's observations and insights about how Christians can help each other deal with grief. The first observation is pretty straightforward. In times of crisis and grief, just show up for each other. It's not so much about saying the right thing. Rick Warren said, the deeper the pain, the fewer the words. It's enough to say, I am so sorry. Someone who's hurting, they they really don't need your words so much. They need you. It's the ministry of presence. Just be there. Now, we do have to be aware of the fact that it's not appropriate for everyone to show up. In a church like ours with hundreds of people, that's not going to help. But if you have a personal relationship with someone who's going through a crisis, do your best to be there. Rick said on the night his son died, his small group showed up within 15 minutes. He said "There there was nothing they could really say to encourage me. They just hugged me. And they said, we're not going anywhere. They actually stayed the night. They said, you don't have to do anything. We'll sleep on the sofa. We'll sleep in the kitchen, whatever. And now, years later, Rick remembers that they showed up. And he said, that is the power of true community. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Now, if you don't have that close relationship with the person who's going through a crisis, there's always prayer. We can always pray for each other. A couple minutes ago, I read the first half of James 5.16, but the second half is also important. James says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We pray because prayer makes a difference. And this is another important way for us to carry each other's burdens. There are so many people in our world who need prayer. You've probably heard about the situation in India where they are experiencing a serious COVID surge. Plum Creek has a mission partner named Jay Henry, and Jay leads a ministry in India called Bethlehem Living Water. And I reached out to Jay to let him know that we're praying for his family and for their ministry and for the country as a whole. And Jay told me that they do know several people who have died just in recent weeks. So I would ask that you join me in praying for India. And I I also ask that you would pray for the Christians who are trying to serve and help in the name of Jesus. We uh, know another missionary in India named Ajay Law. And I saw a post from Ajay a few days ago. Uh, Ajay's mission runs a hospital. And he said the medical staff right now is working 12 to 18 hours a day. They are risking their lives to help as many people as possible. And they are literally being the hands and feet of Jesus. They're they're trying to bring hope into a hopeless situation. So please, let's let's pray for everyone in that situation, for for the church, 
for the, for the church that's trying to be a light in the darkness. There's one more way that we can support those who are in a time of crisis and grief, and this one is specific to followers of Christ. We can comfort each other with the hope of Jesus. When I heard Rick talking about his personal journey, he said he went through several different stages of grief. The first stage was shock, and that was followed by a deep sorrow. Later on, there was a stage of struggle. That's when he was asking the why questions. And by the way, it, it's okay to ask the why questions. God can definitely handle that. Eventually, though, Rick got to a stage of surrender. That's when he set those, those questions aside and he just turned everything over to God. And then finally, uh, Rick reached a stage that he calls service. In this stage, God uses your experience with grief to help others. We read about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I know that God does not want to see any of us in pain. But I also know that he will use our pain for good. God never wastes a hurt. And in certain kinds of grief, it helps to connect with others who have been through something similar to what you're going through. But what does that comfort look like? How is it possible to bring comfort even in the face of death? Well, here's the last passage I want to share with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says to the church, do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. If you are in Christ, you always have hope. Paul describes this hope through the rest of that chapter. He says, just like Jesus died and rose again, all of us who belong to Jesus will also be raised back to life. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. And then after everything is said and done, Paul says, we will be with the Lord forever. It's a life that never ends. It's a life that's better than anything we could imagine here in this world. And Paul concludes this chapter by saying, therefore, encourage one another with these words. That word encourage, if you go back to the original Greek, it also means comfort. There's a great comfort in having the hope of the gospel, the hope of the resurrection. The bottom line is when you belong to Jesus, there is always reason for hope. Sometimes the burdens in this life seem impossibly heavy, but God has a future prepared where your burdens will be in the past. In the meantime, though, we're going to need some help because every one of us has a box like this. And like the sticker says, we better not tackle this alone. We need a team. We need support. So think about what you need to do with this message. Who is it that you need to encourage? What relationship in your life needs to go deeper so that you can get real with each other and deal with temptation and sin? Who can you pray for? Who needs your comfort and support? 
You know, these relationships don't happen automatically, but let's not give up on each other. Let's carry each other's burdens, and in that way, we fulfill the law of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you that you have not left us alone. You sent Jesus to give us our hope, and, and you have sent the Holy Spirit so that if we are in you, we have that comforter, that, that strength within us every day of our lives. And Lord, you've also given us each other. You've established the church to be a body, a family that supports and loves and encourages and challenges and, and just points us to the truth, the hope that we have in you. So Lord, I pray that you'll help us grow in these areas so that we can be who you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.